0: It looks such a straightforward place from the outside. Too much so for me, really. A bit plain.
1: I don't understand your films.
2: I don't understand your script, but I think you're a talented guy, and I'm going to invest in you. At least I can eat my enemies.
1: I don't have to tell you that it's not Hello, Dolly, but Hello, Danny, because tonight, star of
3: this show and many, many others,
1: Danny LaRue, this is your life. (laughs)
2: can get my head down in the lesbian, I'm more than happy.
3: You expect me to
1: believe that he can raise Leah on Alderaan, and the the Sith Lords, the Sith Lords, they do not even think of anything, I mean, Kenobi is on Tatooine, he's living right up the street.
3: I like to put in as much as I can, so that everything looks really well filled.
4: I've been at it so long, I'm expecting any moment to be introduced by Arthur Negus. And had
0: the Abbey been anywhere else but at Westminster, Henry VIII's commissioners would have come in, taken away the gold and precious stones, stripped the lead off the roof, and left the rest to nature and market forces. You're fucking man, Check out! They
2: would say, Do you realise that, you know, your monster creation and the thing... Uh, Was a life changing monster. What does that mean?
0: Well, I don't mind whether Greg or Ian chant. I mean, they're both good.
4: There's something in the sky. Hello, everybody. I'm Chris.
3: I'm Craig. I am known as Jack. And I am. Martin.
4: (laughs) (laughs) Of course, you are, son. Uh,
2: Jack's taking that too
4: far now. Welcome, everybody, to episode four of the Cream Guide Films miscellany. Uh, lockdown Lady, And we'll be back to introduce Things for you to while away The lockdown uh, Although most people are now whiling away the lockdown By just going out and doing stuff uh, yeah. Things to watch Online, easily accessible uh, We have one purchase only Suggestion this week Just to help out the rich folks We'll skip past asking how everybody is This time round because You know, we've got limited interest In how each of us are, never mind our poor listeners, but I'll just ask everybody <laughs> if uh, if we've been catching up on any of the recommendations we've been given to you, all the good people out there. Craig, have you been?
2: Uh, You've been? You watched any of the stuff we've talked about over the last few weeks? Well, as an essentially lazy man, I watched the two shortest things. I watched uh, both <laughs> of which were yours, I think. I watched um, Shit, Alexis says, mm. and it's awesome, I isn't it? This. It is brilliant. Uh, it actually made yeah. me feel very very nostalgic for for um, Dynasty. Um, it was a great programme, yeah. wasn't it? It was so insane. Yeah, it really was. And I really had a it thing was for too. Fallon, which had, uh, the, the original mm-hmm. Fallon, although Emma Sams had, that was, you know, no, no slouch either. But Pamela Sue <laughs> Martin, I was always a big fan of. Um, yeah, it was great fun <laughs> watching it again, actually. And it kind of, I know it's kind of easy to sort of it varies if people laugh at her. And I know she can be a bit sort of, you know, spectator y, hanging about with tacky and talking about how mm. ghastly the modern world is. But there is also genuinely something quite magnificent about Joan Collins. I mean, and also yeah. people always, she, she's basically the David Bowie of TV and film <laughs> because she she just kept getting up again and doing something different.
4: Good old Johnny St. Angeli. She
2: did, she did some great work. <laughs> in the 80s, she, she didn't actually, at least she didn't actually make a tin machine album. So, you know, she has that <laughs> over David.
4: Although she was in that fucking, was it Badly Drawn Boy video? Oh, that's bad enough. Oh, so she D-nast, was, D-nasty, D-nasty, nasty
2: That's really weird. I was just saying at tea tonight that it's 20 years since the Badly Drawn Boy album The Year of the Bewilderbeast came out. 20 years ago? I'll be lucky for me to get another twenty years on this earth. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus. Well, let's put, let's face yeah. it—you will get more chance
3: than Joni. Is she, she, she not a dead man then? Sorry, no. She's she's not she's not a dead man. No, good for her. No, 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 no she's awesome. not well. Good. Well, yeah.
4: the curse of Green good Guide films may deal with that. But Jack, what have you watched any of the stuff that we've recommended? Yeah.
3: yeah. I, well, I watched something I recommended, um, so I watched a bit more Jonathan Creek. No, and, no, no. Right?
4: You, you, we, 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 I think we're working on the. I think we're working on the basis that we've watched the stuff that we've recommended, Jack. Well, I have you watched, watched any that. of I've, the stuff that anybody else has recommended?
3: That's listen, the I've track. got a bit of business about Jonathan <laughs> Creek, so that's what I'm going to talk to you about. So. No, go on, and I, when, I was, when I was watching Jonathan Creek, I was trying to think. Of, you know, there's that bit at the end of the episodes. Well, you won't, Chris. You never watch it, where he no, says he has been bugging me all day but I can't quite put it all together yet. And then he suddenly remembers like a really tiny little detail that Mm -hmm. solves the whole thing. I've come up with three of those. You ready? So here we go. Number one, right? Number one. Okay. So it's unlikely for a woman to lift both toilet seats up. So therefore it must've been a man who last used that bathroom. So that's thing. Number one is he remembers seeing both toilet seats are up. So that's a good one. Number two Right, there's an odd number of paracetamols have been taken, so therefore, there must have been a child living in that house. That's no, two, no, right? well, I'm gonna go back to just, one no, of these. No, no, you can, yeah, you can in the middle. We'll out. Number three, last one. She loved <laughs> on. flowers. It's just come, it's been bugging me all day, but I can't quite put it all together. But now I've got it. She loved flowers, but she never had lilies, so therefore, that cat must have been hers. Okay, that's a good one. Yeah. Thank you.
2: Right, Can on, I ask Drake. you questions about the first two? Well, the second one, the thing about the odd number of paracetamol. I, I uh-huh. often take what I call a doctor's dose, which is three paracetamol mm. or three Nurofen at the same time, to hit uh-huh. something mm-hmm. hard and quickly. So that's that. Mm-hmm. The other thing is, and I well, genuinely... I have either... I, I, I no, actually have a... <laughs> that's, a, that's a sorry. That's a sorry. You've <laughs> no, no, no,
3: spoken. Is, spoken.
2: My response no. to
3: that is, it's a confection. The whole thing, Jonathan Creek, it's just a confection.
2: Oh, we'll just stop the whole fucking podcast now then, shall well, we? But, but it's a <laughs> con- <laughs> if it's, it's a confession, yeah. then none of it would matter. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I'm actually not going to recommend that we watch the news tonight, so we can just stop now, Gammie. That's right. The other thing <laughs> I was going to say is, and this is a genuine thing for debate. Now, I realise that we're kind of all white men and all that, but uh-huh. you see the thing about toilets and women saying, oh, men never, they never put the toilet seat down and all that sort of thing, mm-hmm. yeah? Mm-hmm. Why is that such yeah. a fucking problem? I mean, I have to lift it, so I don't give us, sh- and I don't complain about that. I've never understood why that
3: is such a thing that women moan about. But yeah. my point is, it's both toilet seats that are up. Now, a woman yeah. should never have. In, in the water, Jonathan Creek, a woman never has any reason to lift the secondary toilet seat up, which is the secondary one. So there's there's the bit.
0: There's the lid. The lid. There's the yeah. lid. Yeah. And then there's the yeah. rim. The lid. Yeah, and the yeah, rim. Yeah, and is somebody with that's rim. what
3: he's, in my in my fictional Jonathan Creek story. That's the thing he's clocked that he's just processed,
2: unless yeah. the woman's got a bobby. <laughs> that's she might have, yeah. And also, can I just ask another point? I quite like a sit
3: down <laughs> for a pee. I like a sit down for a pee. I like a, I like a sit and down, a down a for a pee. I have to. And a wee yeah. yeah, yeah, I like a sit down for a pee. Shall I tell you why? It's because mm. you never you never quite know.
4: <laughs> Let's move on. <laughs> Let's move well, on to Martin. Martin, have
0: uh, you watched yes. anything? But go on then. I have. I have indeed. I've watched uh, two episodes of Tales from the Loop recently, which oh. um, uh, it's it's really beautifully done. Um, really yeah, well great. made. There's not too many laughs, I have to say. You know, no, not no. I was expecting a comedy. Um, it can be, uh, it, the two episodes I've seen are a wee bit dark, but there seems mm-hmm. to be, I guess, is there going to be stuff? You, know, you can tell me this, or you can leave me in suspense. I guess, is there elements that will kind of fold in to other episodes from those first two, other than yeah, yes, all, yeah, of, the all, all of the
4: episodes, all of the episodes make, uh, sort of have relevance to each other and fold right. in, in in different ways to a different extent until you get to the uh, the Jodie Foster directed finale. So it's well worth uh, sticking with, although uh, they it's, all work it's there, very good. They do to Cool. All right. Well, so at yeah. least uh, at least we've we've uh, at least we've helped each other out with watching stuff.
2: Mm-hmm. Chris, have you watched anything?
4: Uh, yeah, I, I've I've
2: uh, I've watched. Uh... So fucking haven't. <laughs> 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 yeah, 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 uh, I've yeah, yeah, yeah. No, yeah. No, what? Uh, well, what? What have I watched? Some her things. things? Well, Guys, well I don't want to upset any of you by picking one thing that I've watched because there were not I, no, I tell you I tell you what though I tell you what I can
4: say is that I'm, this is drawn back the curtain a wee bit listeners because we decide but amongst ourselves what we're going to put in these quite far ahead. Uh, I've watched one of Craig's recommendations for for this one uh, previously. Oh, yeah. So yeah. Uh, but we'll get to that because it's it's a belter. Uh, so yeah. I, I can ser- I can certainly say that uh, but and and, true, and, yeah. and saying that a, a lot of the stuff that we do recommend to each other we've we have already seen uh, between us. Like uh, yeah. I did rewatch one of the Plinket, mm-hmm. uh, uh reviews, uh, uh, prequel reviews that Craig talked about the last or mentioned yeah. the last time around. Uh, having been uh, prompted to do that again because they they uh, they be rewatching uh, the the uh, on a regular basis. So let's mm-hmm. get to let's get to this time round. And uh, we're going to go clockwise, counterclockwise, I should say, or as the Americans say, round the table. And I'm going to begin with Martin. So, Martin, let's have your five recommendations for episode four of the Cream Guide Films Lockdown (music) Miscellany.
0: five picks for this week are number one, The Trip to Greece uh, which is on Now TV you can get it free for a week um, and I think an entertainment pass is about seven quid or something like that if you want to take it on further than that but if you cancel it before then and of course this is the kind of final series of Steve Coogan and Rob Bryden doing their tours and the two of them kind of playing semi-fictionalised versions of themselves, really great, really entertaining um, My second one is a uh, channel on youtube called design icons Uh, and the guy has recently started doing looks at uh, video games so he's done a great wee uh, video on uh, space invaders the original space invaders that you got in arcades and the second one he did was uh, pac-man and they're really great he talks about the history of how they were made and how they were designed you know the Mm. kind of gameplay and all that so they're great my third one is Bosch. It's a detective series on Amazon. La Noir uh, detective series, really good. No, really its... no, it's not German. No, it's not German. The main character's called Harry Bosch, but his real name is Hieronymus Bosch. Believe it or not. Oh, um, wow. and he spells his no, surname not, the way I you do. It, like, no. yeah, yeah. It is, it's based on a series of books. <laughs> now in its sixth season, really good. Yeah, great. but he's a fictional char- character, man. Of course. Well, hold on a minute. That's not. That thinking for a minute here all of this is real is it not (laughs) Uh, my next one my next choice is a YouTube channel called Entertain the Elk and this guy what he does is he does great videos uh, and it's the day that X program died so the day Futurama died and he does a kind of analysis of the point whenever a TV series basically just dies in its arse and he does a whole kind of analysis of why the program has died the Simpsons family guy all that sort of stuff and then my final pick is an Amazon uh, Prime and it's a film that came out I think it came out a week back on Friday and it's called The Vast of Night.
4: No. So there you go. No, great, Woo. Martin. Uh, so that's your five choices and I am now going to interrogate you. Uh, on, I mean there's, there's some good stuff there. I, we do have to, I think at this point Jack, we should give them a, a people mm-hmm. a rider about stuff that's on YouTube what do we say?
3: Links can go down as well as up.
4: Thank you. Uh, and <laughs> uh, design icons sounds fun and uh, entertaining, and all that sort of thing. But let's talk about the Vast of Night. So I've I've seen the Vast of Night. Yes. But we'll begin. Okay. Before getting into my half hour views, by uh, just tell us very briefly, Martin, very briefly,
0: what what it's about uh, and why you like <laughs> it so much. Very. Uh, so back of the DVD box would be This is a set across one evening In Cayuga, New Mexico In November 1958 A teenage switchboard operator and a local radio host Start to experience A series of strange calls and weird sounds And it sparks unusual activity across the town And I guess you could describe it As a sort of Twilight Zone Meets American graffiti Would that be fair to describe right, it? Okay. Something
3: like that Never please Hello?
2: Everything in your life falls apart in terms of earning, and there's simultaneously a return to video shops. You're going
0: to be alright, you know that, don't you? Oh, I, 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 if this COVID thing stays the course, I'm I'm in business. I think. Um,
3: but it's happening, Martin. Yeah.
0: So what? So what's so what? What what, uh, what appealed to you about it, Martin? Well, I had heard about this, uh, you know, in various kind of review websites and whatnot, and it started popping up on social media as this is going to be the big thing. It had done really well at a festival last year, despite having been, you know, rejected for just about every film festival going, including, you know, Cannes and Sundance and all these kind of places. And eventually it got, I think it won the prize at one of the festivals. Uh, I'm not sure which one it was. And it, a good. Slam dance. that's it. And it got a, a good word of mouth. You know, people said you kind of need to see this. It's low budget. Um, it's been made in a very short space of time by our first-time director. I think the guy's name's Andrew Patterson. Is that right, Craig? Is that mm-hmm. the guy? There? Um, yep. any. And and it just sounded good. It sounded right up my street. A sort of a 50s style B movie, mm-hmm. which yep. you know, I, I I love all that sort of stuff. Yeah. And um and it's and it's even framed with that kind of Twilight Zone uh, opening. You know, mm-hmm. the the way Rod Serling used to do the kind of Twilight Zone opens of a you know a shot moving in on a, a TV screen. And yeah. So you kind of know straight away what it is that you're going to be watching. That it's a a kind of typical B movie. That motif appears a couple
4: of times through it, doesn't it?
0: Yeah, yeah. Seeing it as if you're looking at, yeah. uh, which which I wasn't sure it needed, to be honest with you. It could have probably just dispensed with it and just kind of set you up in that way. But I I guess one of the things that I would say about it is it took about 10 or 15 minutes to get going. There was a lot of chatter backwards and forwards, a lot of kind of sweeping um, single-take mm-hmm. shots that just kind of moved about with character speaking. You're, you're not really kind of making sense of it. I don't know if that's a deliberate thing. Clearly, mm-hmm. that's what they've left in the film. But mm-hmm. then after that, it kind of starts cracking along and you get these... Really amazing single shot uh, scenes, and a lot of the atmosphere and it's generated by great sound design. So, for instance, the switchboard operator's putting through calls and listening to something, that's a bit of a weird sound, or she's speaking to the radio operator who's on the other side of town, and you know, you're get, getting calls coming into the station that are a bit weird. 718 here at WOTW. We got a sound we'd like to play that seems to be bouncing around the valley tonight.
1: Yes, I have a story that might be helpful. I can tell you what's going on. The sound we heard out in the desert. It was coming from thousands of feet higher than anything could fly. They've come here before. They've liked this place.
3: They always have.
0: And there's a really spectacular shot roughly about the midway point in the film where the camera moves from the switchboard uh, uh, building Right the way through the town, through the gym hall of a school where practically the whole town are and there's a basketball game uh, taking place. In the middle of the basketball game, guy scores a shot, goes up into the bleachers, over the bleachers, through a window, down into the car park, other side of the car park and into the radio booth. All in a kind of a, well, certainly, you know, to the eye, it looks uh, really seamless, but it has to kind of be seen. It's such a a really good, uh, a really good scene, but. But apart from that, I thought it was—I thought it was really great. It had all the all the vibes of a you know a, a 1950s B movie. Some great production design, all set across one evening. So you kind of you're following and learning as the as the cast are learning. You know, as the main characters are learning the story, and and it, and it just kind of signalled a great debut from this this director. So it's a debut from a director, but also it doesn't re- it doesn't have any stars. Uh, none no um and you know i went i went I did the whole imdb thing and had a look around and, and these people show up as kind of minor characters on you know american you know, science fiction series and things like this uh, but none of them are big names but they're very very good actors um and one of the things that i thought was really good about it was it, it kind of wore its references on its sleeve you know so you had you know, there's, there's g- great wee kind of nuggets in there of the, the radio stations called WOTW and that kind of uh, naming system that the American radio stations have, which is one of the worlds, clearly. You know, you've got a character called Rennie and the main actor who was in The Day the Stood Still. Michael Rennie played the main character in The Day sure. They uh, Stood yeah. Still. You've, so, mm-hmm. so, there, so there's lots and lots of wee things like that. And I felt it, it didn't crap out of having a decent ending. You know, quite mm-hmm. a lot of the time something like this just does something that's vague and Yeah, they have an ambiguous, feel, oh, well, mysterious what, what? ending, yeah. Yeah. This does but not it, have a mysterious just, ending. It, it, no, it totally delivered, yeah. So it, I, I I think also it's a film that you probably need to watch again because it kind of moves along at such a pace that you can you feel like you missed stuff, you know? What what, what did you think of it? Well, I I mean I did enjoy it. Uh, I
4: watched it because Craig in fact uh, recommended it. Uh, well not just to me I have to say to, to the wider world uh, having really enjoyed it and I, I I will watch it again because I wasn't, I think I'll confess I wasn't in the greatest frame of mind for concentrating on a film when I saw it so the crosstalk scenes at the start uh, that you mentioned uh, Martin I found uh, a bit discombobulating and I found it hard to, yeah. to uh, get traction with it for the first, I'd say for the first 20 minutes, however the device in the film which is the sound this mysterious sound mm-hmm. that appears when that appears i was i was that's when i started to really engage with it and then as it developed yeah uh, I, I i i really got into it and i think I, i'm not one i I tend to when i watch a film i just like to enjoy it as it is and i think about the technical aspects of it later but the sound design is so mm-hmm. amazing that you actually can't help but sit and think that sound design's amazing. When the sound mm-hmm. itself switches from, uh, and without giving anything away to anybody, it's, it's uh, in the, a sound appears in a telephone line that the lassie plugs in. She then passes it mm-hmm. on to the guy in the radio station to see if he can recognize it. So you have this sound played as if it's over in a short space, space of time, as if you're hearing it on a telephone. Then you're hearing it on a speaker from somebody on the, you know, playing it in a radio station. Then plays it to the radio station, and it all moves backwards and forwards, and it's already an unusual sound. And to create all of those different uh, uh feel uh, uh, to the sound and backwards and forwards, and it's just incredible. Hey,
1: come on. There's something in
4: the sky. Uh, it works really well. So, Craig, uh, you didn't have the same qualms like a, a, an idiot like me had with the <laughs> film. Uh, you were into it right from the beginning, aye?
2: Yeah, i Yeah, I loved it. I mean, like, like Martin said, it kind of ticks all my boxes for me. I love these kind of pictures. And additionally, I'm a big Twilight Zone fan and um, I, I thought it was fantastic i agree for the first few minutes you have to really concentrate because the, the 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 dialogue is so so very fast and it's on the move but i uh, but the one thing i would say that i, I don't agree with martin months is it soon whips along i think it it does a very clever thing of slowing down after the first 15 mm. or so minutes and you then have these very long scenes or long takes almost a static camera at times mm. uh, and that's when the sound comes in and, and what you say is absolutely right chris he's got a brilliant sense because it's not a horror film but he's got a very brilliant sense for the eerie and that's what it is it's genuinely eerie and, and i think that reminded me of um uh is it, oh god i can never remember the name of the film the ray bradbury written one with the um the meteor that lands in the desert from the 50s is it oh, the terror uh, from- Oh god! <laughs> it came from outer space. It came from outer space. from from outer space. Yeah. Because yeah. The, if you remember, that opens up with them hearing the sound on the 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 lines, the telephone lines and the telegraph lines. So mm. I, I thought it picked up with that beautifully. I thought that the main actors in it were absolutely terrific. The young talented actors who were very very good. His character's called Everett Sloan, which is the name of the actor who was in the Mercury Theatre, which I thought was quite a nice little touch.
0: Oh, right, nice, and, yeah. And the t- and the town, and the I- town as well. The town's called Cayuga, yes. which is the name of the production company that Rod Serling used to make the Twilight yeah. Zone. No. Um, there was a, there was there was one wee other thing I was going to point out, and I, and I guess you probably noticed this, but and this may be one of those kind of a. Um, things where the, you know, 1950s films did this quite a lot, where it was all from the perspective of younger people from the younger generation. Mm, and yeah. nearly nearly all of the adults in the film are partially in shadow and you don't, you know, like yeah. the adults in the car, oh, yeah, the okay. older woman's only seen in profile and things like that. So, oh. so there was some, and, and of course, some of that's about disguising the limits of the budget, you know, shooting it all in darkness and things like that. But it's hard to film in darkness as well. So... Um, yeah, but it's very but much it's, so. it's it's worth another watch for sure. For it's, me.
2: Yeah, and I think it it, it's, it does the great thing that science fiction does, which is as we start to in the loop, it in the loop that it, it it has its themes about there themes about racism, about how mm. women are treated, about people trying to sort of economically escape small towns and things like mm. that, and the distance between young people and older people. All of that is dealt with in the most sort of light the lightest of touches while just giving you a really, really fascinating film. I thought it was terrific, an absolute knockout. Jack,
4: have you uh, do you know anything of this? Have you seen any of it or are aware of it?
3: So, uh, So I knew nothing about it until it appeared on Martin's list and then I went away and had a look I haven't had a chance to watch it yet and um so I've no idea where this came from. Obviously, you, you were talking there that it won an audience award at Slam Dance and so on, mm-hmm. and I, I just wonder how how if, I mean. Obviously, I understand the economics of Amazon in that they'll put any old shit on Amazon Prime these days, which is yeah. that's not saying this form shit. So I I don't. Where's this come from? And is it a reaction to the sort of eighties nostalgia vibe by saying, well, let's actually let's go and look at another era?
0: No, apparently it's been in the making since about twenty sixteen. Uh, they've been mm. they've been working on it for quite some time. So it just seems to me that it's just it's one of those kind of perfect confluences of circumstances that you've had the COVID situation, because otherwise it would have had a kind of limited release in cinemas and maybe done a few more festivals this year. And also Mm -hmm. Amazon are pretty good at word of mouth, you know, because let's face it, how many customers have they got? They can get stuff out there. And obviously they tie into the, you know, the media in terms of getting reviews and things like that. But quite a lot of people have been positive about it. You know, Kermode that we often talk about here he was very positive about it and said that it had it ticked all those boxes that Craig talks about. So I think it's just came along at the right time. It's just, it's just worked out for it. And well, it seems to be doing very well. We often talk Amazon. about
4: Cairnwood, but we often talk about coronavirus as well. It's not necessarily a thing <laughs> necessarily I <laughs> did. Well, thing. One thing, I
0: did,
2: one thing um, I did think about it was that, you know, without it having the Cinema release, which it probably wasn't going to get anyway. Um, you know, the last time I went to the cinema was uh, just before lockdown, a week before when I saw The Colour Out of Space, which is a terrific film. Mm. Um, this is now over this longest period in my entire life that I've never been to the cinema. Mm. And I'm slightly worried that it won't come back at all. You know, and what will... I mean, I'm sure things will... The status quo will probably, which is a fairly heavy thing, will exert itself over pretty much everything. But I do fear... For the future of cinema. But at the same time, you know, as you know, I've got Colossus, the world's biggest telly. We've got a sound bar. That film was beautifully streamed in a really good quality looking print. You know, the difference isn't that great anymore. Well, so, it's, know, it's...
4: it's an interesting point you make, though, Craig, because a friend, a mutual friend of ours uh, who we had a long conversation with at the hospital recently, Sergio, yes. uh, he made the point that he's not actually that bothered that if uh, he ever sees a film in a cinema again, I think that's a bit extreme. But, I mean, at the same time, like you, I I miss the experience of going to see a a film in the big screen. I don't miss going to see it with, you know, people that I don't know and would normally avoid. No, that's true, yeah.
2: (laughs) Although the other night, as a family, we watched Cape Fear, the Scorsese one, and I remember saying afterwards, I remember that being a a particularly good film to see with an audience, because it's full of jumps and... Horrifying moments and people screaming, yeah, you know. I mean, and th- there's no doubt that, that can
4: be fun. Yeah, there's no doubt that some films, you, you know, you want the vibe of a of a big audience if if they're paying yeah. attention and everybody's into it, you know. But uh, I, I I just I just I fear that that is uh, that that's uh, a minority experience coming on. What I miss most at the moment, I have to say, is 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 watching uh, in our larger our sort of larger group of friends. In, uh, in our, in our handier cinema facility in the other side yes. of the city. <laughs> which, is a, which, is a, which is a screen about as big as you get in some of the cinemas that you get. Yeah. Uh,
2: but anyway... We're very uh, lucky our friends have a cinema room and it's a great thing to experience. It's yeah. wonderful.
4: Uh, so, uh, and you get a
2: lovely dog running about and jumping up on us all absolutely. the way it as well, which there's, is nice. There's no downside. <laughs> Why are dogs not allowed in cinemas? I don't know.
4: Considering the number of... the, the way <laughs> a lot of people are in cinemas, I'd prefer dogs. Uh, ah, yeah. yeah. So... Absolutely. Uh, Uh, Martin, your five (laughs) choices were uh, The Trip to Greece, which is on Now TV Although I imagine it's on other outlets as well uh, Here and there Uh, Design Icons on YouTube Bosch on Amazon Entertain the Elk, if you dare, on YouTube And we've just been discussing The Vast of Night Which is on uh, Amazon Yes,
0: and now it's my turn To come at Jack with my giant hands (laughs) and my nice. bangs
2: <laughs> your and my scary eyes
0: <laughs> and ask you, what are your five picks for this week's lockdown miscellany?
3: So my five picks uh, i'm going to start off with uh, uh a film uh also on amazon prime although it did get a cinema release which is called american animals uh and then over on youtube a short film that has long been a favorite of mine which is called um, Brody world which is an excellent animation featuring the likeness of adrian Brody. um next up is a short film uh, on Netflix, which is actually by Tom York of Radiohead, called Anima, which is a kind of mm-hmm. weird post-apocalyptic dance thing. Don't do, don't make that kind of eye noise. Yeah. This, this isn't your time, son. Mm-hmm. You, you keep it you keep it at a low peak for the time being. Mm-hmm. Uh, choice number four is uh, The Boy Whose Skin Fell Off, which was uh, a documentary that was originally shown on Channel 4 about 15 years ago about a lad called Johnny Kennedy who has a, uh, a, a horrible uh, condition called dystrophic Epidermalosis Veloza which is effectively his skin is falling off and it's killing him and it is an extraordinary documentary I think it actually won a poll of the 100 greatest documentaries mm-hmm. of all time about 10 years ago and my final choice which is the trusty BBC iPlayer which I think has been doing extraordinary things in lockdown i.e. putting some good mm-hmm. things on it is uh, a documentary uh, called Fermat's Last Day. Just give me the, the what was the Brody world one again? Uh, that? well, you kind of need to watch this, it's uh, it's 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 almost unfathomable, <laughs> except uh, so it's a short animation featuring Adrian Brody. <laughs> what I can tell you is that Adrian Brody, um, for a period of time had the music from it as his ringtone on his phone, yeah, but uh, wow. you, you need to go that's and experience a, it. It's about a five use. six minutes out of your life. Is that is that like
4: it's the awesome. is, it, yeah. is that Brody Quest?
0: Is it the same thing?
3: Yes, there that's
1: the point. Yeah. yeah, that's it. Brody, 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 Brody. Yes, I think it, maybe it's called request. I think yeah, free. actually, I think it, maybe it's <laughs> called
0: request. Yeah. Yeah. Well, but so. Sounds- fascinating but the one but the one that I would like to hear your views on is American animals mm-hmm. which I can confess to having seen and I think Whoa. you and I kind of saw this roughly around the same time but I had read an article about it um and didn't
3: well now okay didn't
0: get didn't get so uh, mm. I read the article then I saw the film <laughs> and there are obvious mm-hmm. differences and things like that but um so tell us about okay. it tell us what it is Whoa. tell us what it is
3: Right so uh, American Animals is a film from the British writer director Bart Layton who previously made a documentary called The Imposter which was which was a really brilliantly made uh, drama documentary okay. about uh, a missing uh, a missing American boy who seems to fetch up somewhere in I think in Spain and calls home I'm not going to talk anything more about that okay. However uh, American Animals is of a piece with that in so much as what it does is it does mix Drama and documentary. So, what this film is about, it's about two college guys who, um, through uh, a kind of stupid conversation, find themselves um, setting up a heist to steal this book called Birds of America from their university library. Now, the book Birds of America is extremely rare and massively va- um, valuable. And essentially, what this drama uh, is all about is following them and their conflicting recollections of what happened um, as they lead up to. And go through the heist. So that, that's what it's about, mum. It pains me to see you embarrass
1: your father, but you don't know what it is. You're in, or
4: you're out. That thing that could make your life special. You're in, or you're out. You're in
0: you're out how can i tell you if i'm in or i'm out without you telling me the first thing about what i might be in or out of yeah it's uh, and you know it's quite stylishly made from what i remember you know a lot of you mm-hmm. know really good cinematography and the i guess the only kind of really big name in it is the young guy that was in the x-men films that plays the really fast guy uh quicksilver that's uh evan is that evan name? peters evan peters that's Warren this oh, he's, he recently, got, name. he's yeah. recently got cancelled on twitter for being racist i think so um, but, uh, what a prick! But yeah, so what? <laughs> what? First of all, what did you like about this?
3: So there's there's this, um there's lots to like about the film, I would say, and the the heist um, that is the centerpiece of the whole film is super tense. But actually, there's two there's two things that I think make this film stand out for me. Number one is the way in which um, the director, uh, but Bart Layton, interweaves the interview testimony of the actual people and the drama. And in actual fact, way through the film, what you sort of discover is that the real-life interviewees are living inside the film in, in quite an interesting way that sounds quite tricksy and is, but actually somehow manages to add to your some understanding of the film rather than detract from it. So that's thing number one. The other thing that I really like about it that I've never really seen mentioned in any of the reviews of the film is what I think is particularly brilliant about it is i think it does a great job of um chronicling that bit of when a group activity has kind of somehow crossed a line without anybody realizing that that's what happened and there's a point where they're um, at the final preparation stage of this heist where they're going to go into this library um they uh they're going to nab the book and get out where they have to face up to the fact that there's a librarian in there and someone is going to have to disable her um, Vera Taser. and that's the point where they all suddenly realise actually we've all crossed the line.
0: That's That, I was, going, that, that was something that I was going to ask you about because that's the part, I mean, the, you know, for everything else that it does really well, it is a good heist movie and there's some interesting things happen and some mistakes and all that sort of stuff. But that's the point whenever, it, as you say, it kind of crosses over into the reality because you start realising just the, the the pain and anguish that the woman went through. Um, mm. and, and, of course, because you've got the interviews with people, you know, the real people that this happened to, you start realising this isn't mm-hmm. just a, we're not just watching a film here. It's not about hokum, you know. Um, but there's no. another thing I'm curious about this film. This film, almost almost no one I speak to knows about this. So mm. you, you and I seem to be the only two of, of our group. That, that know about mm-hmm. this and it didn't do very well at the cinema it's got really high production values i did i did remember mm-hmm. there's another person in it that was in um i can't remember the actor's name but he was in uh dunkirk and he's been cropping up in other things he's the guy that bangs right. his head in dunkirk what's his name oh yeah
2: he's in he's in the um the, the chase the killing of a sacred deer as well he's a very good actor yes.
0: Uh uh-huh. he's, he's english actor. Kind of yeah. strange face but um, but it didn't do well. So what? Why? He's why got that kind of strange face. Yeah, kind maybe he's the boy whose skin fell off. I don't know. Oh, oh that's a skin. That no, oh, <laughs> I'm only. <laughs> no, but, need for so, that. so why, Jack? Why, why? Why do you think it didn't do as well as, as it should have? Really.
3: Um, well, I don't know because I think The Imposter did quite well, and and we went to see it off the back of having seen The Imposter, and then also um, seeing the trailer for it. I think it has a it has an extraordinary trailer. Boom, boom.
2: This library is home to the most valuable book in the United States.
0: Twelve million dollars.
4: You really need to see how easy this is going to be.
3: Oh, you know this from all your previous heists? Um, and there is an awful lot that's going on within this. And I suppose that there's been quite a lot of heist movies. So some, some maybe people thought it was just another heist movie. But it absolutely isn't because they do some really interesting things around point of view. And actually, it's quite late on in the film when you realize that a whole sequence, uh, which is namely when the character Warren goes to Amsterdam to meet their mark, meet the mark who, they, who they're going to sell the book to. When you start to, when that starts to unravel, and and but they sort of do it. They don't do it in a tricksy way. It's all there in front of you. They've hidden it in plain sight. But it's actually quite late on when you start to think. I don't think that guy went to Amsterdam at all. And it's and it's fascinating. It's so maybe there's just too much. Maybe there's just too much. Maybe there's too much going on within the film. Did you you liked it there, Martin? Yeah.
0: Yeah. Oh, I totally loved it. And and another good feature of it is it has got loads and loads of great music in it. And it feels like one of those films that. You know that came out in the the early 90s that had a great soundtrack along with it that kind of spurred it on and got mm-hmm. plenty that it. it just seems to have kind of a missed its opening somewhere or missed its window maybe maybe what it needed was a really really big star fronting it you know someone i don't know a, a, 10 years ago or 15 years ago it would have been leonardo dicaprio or someone like that but it just yeah. feels like it didn't yeah. have a name opening it that would push it out there that bit further but it's a it's a spe- I think it's a spectacularly good film, really well made, and that kind of mixture of things is great. Uh, the you know the real and the uh, the fictional it's it's really really well done. Uh, although that was yeah, what yeah, I was going no. to say about the article that I read said that the mm-hmm. there's there's a lot of criticism about the elements that were fictionalised in it. But of course, mm-hmm. you you have to do that because it's it's a feature film. Yeah. You know, it's you, you're not. So
4: I'm, can can I ask then on the back of that um, just the. the uh, how how mu- how much of it has been fictionalized then jack i mean how how much of it is is well, real it's... and how much of do you think that they've mixed in to make it you know that they can present it as a film
3: well they they sort of give themselves a get out a card free sorry get out a jail card free get out of jail free card there we go so get the jail free yep. card <laughs> yes because because they do offer up the contradictory and conflicting testimony of of the of the four main protagonists um and by and by and large actually their storylines do they do add up but there are definitely quite significant bits where they're not i seem to remember martin at the beginning of the film do they not do something like this isn't based on a true story this is a true story that's right isn't
0: it i was going to say it had that kind of feel of like a Coen brothers thing at the beginning where you're you know you're, mm-hmm. if if you don't know that it's based on a true story you're kind of thinking oh well mm-hmm. is it or mm-hmm. is it not you know because there's a lot of twisting mm-hmm. uh, the facts yeah. and things like that but but yeah i mean it, that it doesn't prevent you from enjoying it
3: but the notion of subjectivity i think they deal with that really well because they have a sequence where the two characters are in um uh they, they're they're getting gas they're sitting in the car spencer and warren and then there's a there's a, a difference of recollection between the, the two actual people as to what happened there and and who who was the person who actually said right we're going to do this and then they cut to them in the car and in the back seat is the real Spencer the oh. the, the real person who's who's just sort of sitting there and they do that a few times in the film and it's really affecting and and I think it it like I say, it doesn't feel tricksy. it sort of just reminds you that this that all of these things are subjective
0: cool yeah and and like you described before. The um the imposter there is a great kind of vibe to that as well where so much of the fact and mm-hmm. fiction is merging so yeah it's it's really great I would highly recommend it it's a fairly good watch so is there, have they sold you on this Craig have they sold you on it well
2: I come at it with a disadvantage that I don't want to watch a film directed by someone called Bart Layton. <laughs> <laughs> <he sounds> <laughs> so,
4: it
0: like, it should be. He should sounds... stagecoaches or something. Bart, Le- Bart Layton won a BAFTA, by the way.
2: Oh, well, well that did makes he? it all fine then, yeah. Because Cause, cause, nake hunts have ever won BAFTA <laughs> straight enough. Um, <laughs> um, <laughs> no, um, yeah, I mean, I watched the trailer again. last week. I remember you uh, talking about it at the time, Jack, and I'd kind of forgotten about it until you mentioned this again that you wanted to talk about this. And, and actually, um. Yeah, I must go and watch it. It looks pretty good. It looks good fun from the trailer. Uh, the thing about people yeah, coming into it and commenting on it reminds me of The Big Short, which pulls off a, a, a similar
3: mm, sort of trick at times. Yes, it is. Yes, it is quite similar to that, actually. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. That's yeah, another good thing. Yeah,
4: The Big Short is a great I'll short, give that a dude. go. Yeah, I think I'll give it a shot because I love, yeah, a it's great. love a heist. Love a heist. Oh god I you'll love, it love it on that. you'll you'll love it on that basically. Do they ever do a bit where they're putting they're but they're putting the gang together and then somebody says, Oh Warren, you son of a bitch, I'm in can I can I ask Jack just well, Brad, just to man. just to uh, radically diverge for a moment uh, from your, your major choice yeah. on to f- just very briefly mm-hmm. on to Fermat's last theorem. Now I remember watching yes. this at the time, and we should big up the iPlayer. Mm-hmm. Uh, because a lot of our choices mm-hmm. over the last few weeks have come from the iPlayer. It's, it's it's really had some, it's really got some great stuff on it. But I remember Fermat's yeah, Last Theorem at the time being quite a big deal. Uh, why was it? Why is it such a yeah. big deal, Jack?
3: So, God, now you put me on the spot. So, Fermat, Fermat is a mathematician from a very, very mm. long time ago, ages um, ago, who, um, who 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 came up with a particular proof, but he never documented the proof. He he just had a note in the margin of. Something else saying, Oh, and I've come up with a particularly clever um, proof for whatever the thing was. And mathematicians from uh, for hundreds of years, a couple of hundred years, I think, had then been trying to work out what his proof than was. No ever... Thank you, Craig. Yeah. Um, so then this chap, Andrew Wiles, um, came along and actually did come up with the proof. The interesting thing about that and the sting in the tail is that uh, although Andrew Wiles does indeed come up with a proof, mm-hmm. The proof is reliant on uh, a very modern branch of mathematics
4: ah, that, that wasn't around at the time. It's very unlikely that Fermat. Uh, yes, that's the so better remember. That's the bit I remember.
3: probably not the same ah, as Fermat. Right. See
4: that, I knew there was a wee sort of twist. That, uh, and that, I think that's the thing mm-hmm. that got all of the coverage at the time, and there was all the, the fuss about it. Uh, but it certainly prompted me to rewatch yeah. that. Um, that's on my that's on my list. Excellent. Yeah, that yes, so good. Uh, yes. After yes, I've got a reacquainted it. with Adrian Brody, Adrian Brody, Adrian Brody,
3: Adrian Brody, Adrian
0: Brody. <laughs> I was never very good at maths. I used to Shocker. add a pair of Y's and ended up and ended up with an X. Oh, god on oh mate. Uh, time to move f- fucking right. hell! Right, come on. Right, <laughs>
3: right, time, time to wrap up Martin. <laughs> yeah, on, so,
0: so thank you for that, Jack. So your choices <laughs> were uh Brody World on YouTube. Brody Quest. No Brody, Brody, Brody Quest. Quest.
3: Come on, can, Brody, can it Quest. Brody, Quest. So Brody Quest. Brody Ken. Brody
0: Quest. Anima on Netflix. The boy mm-hmm. whose skin fell off, which I'm quite mm-hmm. fascinated by that. And uh, the Fermat's Last Theorem, which is on iPlayer. And your main choice that you just discussed was American Animals, which is on
3: Amazon mm-hmm. Prime. So, mm. okay. Who's next? So now. Uh, it's uh, now, Craig. I turn to you, and I want you Hello. to pump me with five big things.
2: <laughs> yeah, before that, I just want to say though, I don't think Martin is intrigued by the boy's <laughs> skin fell off. He's now trying to—he's he's now trying to roll from back from his distasteful joke. Yeah, and what was that other one? Entertain the elk. That's a great example yes. of what it's actually about—not living up to the
0: title <laughs> of it, isn't it?
3: Yeah, of course. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, Jackson. Right, come, on. come on, let's hear him.
2: So, um, <laughs> the five that I've come up with, my very good mm-hmm. friend, my chum, are <laughs> The People versus George Lucas, which is a documentary on YouTube. The thing that is you'd have to fork out your spondulics for is the excellent and spiffy new eight-part adaptation mm. of Umberto Echo's The Name of the Rose in Noma Rosa, which is available in all good um, HMVs. <laughs> um, the, and at our price. <laughs> it's, it's been a long time since I've been out there. Is that still? You'll get it out um, in
0: my video store when it opens up.
2: <laughs> nah, that's true, <laughs> <laughs> The Joy mm. of Painting with Bob Ross, which is available on YouTube and I believe also on the iPlayer now. Um, I, and also on to, 4 as well. Yeah, which is just, I know it's become a kind of camp thing to think Bob Ross is cool, but if you actually sit and watch his programs, which I don't really remember terribly, I don't think they were shown here very often, they're fucking wonderful and he could paint that boy and it's incredibly restful TV, good for you, good for the soul this time. There's a guy called Daryl McLean who writes, who is on Twitter, and who does um, parodies of famous singers. He's a very good uh, musician and um, singer, and he will do um, TV TV tunes. <laughs> and at this point, this will be edited in in the, um, the style of different singers. There are loads of them. The two that I really love is. He does the Avida Zayn pet theme as a Johnny Cash song, which when you think <laughs> about it, makes total sense because it sounds like a really miserable life when you do it like that. Uh, and the other one that is fantastic is Elton John. Because he does a brilliant Elton John impression singing the theme tune to Only and Horses. So each of those lasts about a minute and they're much, much fun. And the fifth thing is, of course, I like the eerie, I like the spooky... Um, the Iranian ghost story Under the Shadow, which is on um, Netflix which you might approach thinking oh yeah, of course, somebody, you know critics would love an Iranian ghost story it is a terrifying film it's incredibly spooky it's set in Tehran at the time just after the cultural Revo- the, the Islamic revolution and it's about uh, a people in a modern block of flats and they start getting haunted and it is tremendous. Again, the implications, the politics are all under the surface. But as a straightforward ghost story, it's absolutely sensational and I recommend it wholeheartedly.
3: Whoa. Okay, that sounds that sounds great. I know most of those, but I don't know the people versus George Lucas. So Craig, ah I can't I can't even begin to imagine what this could be about. So can you give yeah, me absolutely. a little bit more info?
2: Well, it is on YouTube at the moment, or it was last time I looked. Um, I remember it coming out. I remember it being sort of made available. I think it did. It may have got a cinema release in America. I don't know if it did over here. It's uh, a proper documentary. It's not a sort of fan-made thing or whatever. It's made by a proper uh, documentary maker from 2010, which basically, of course, is before the recent uh, Star Wars films. But it tells the story of the original trilogy and the... um, the way that people reacted to the prequel trilogy, which is, you remember, George Lucas raped my childhood, etc., etc. I, I owe George a lot. <laughs> Not in a legal sense. And
3: George appeals to the child in everybody.
2: That guy unlocked a generation's imagination.
1: I don't really get that, man. I
2: imagine George in a, in a crystal castle drinking margaritas, lying on a bed made of people. A lot of people view george
3: lucas as the antichrist
4: george
2: lucas raped our childhood george lucas raped our childhood george lucas raped our it's george got a fair childhood. few of the main people in it it's also got a lot of commentators and fans and it's just a really nicely made i don't really know anything about the filmmakers or anything but it's a really nicely made um uh look at what happened and how important it was um I mean, one of the things that's interesting about it is that it does show you that George Lucas has always been quite cool about people essentially breaching his copyright. He doesn't appear to have made any... and he, I think it says he, doesn't, he hasn't made any complaints about any of this that's touched upon in the film. There's lots of fan films, including the famous one where it's like cops but with stormtroopers. Um, mm-hmm. He doesn't ever seem to object to any of that, which is actually quite an admirable thing about him, despite the fact he's, of course, a weirdo.
4: Mr. Lucas, sir, we the fans, the true
2: fans of your franchise, salute you. And <laughs> one of my favorite bits in it, though, is Chris, you'll love this particularly. Mm-hmm. There is a bit when two critics, two film critics, who come from a particular country, <laughs> make a long and detailed. Um, argument that, in fact, the greatest thing about the peoples <laughs> is the presence of Jar Binks.
1: Can you guess oh my
2: what country they come from? Is it possibly a page out of the film jotters? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's this amazing thing about French critics loving the shittest aspects of American cinema, whether it's Bud Jerry Lewis or um, Jerry Lewis, especially. You know, it's astonishing how much they get it wrong. <laughs> no but, tears um, for the wank. But yeah, again, <laughs> they're giving it, um, no, 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 Jar Jar Binks, he is the, 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 the most damn thing about these. Uh, it's just for me. You just think, oh, for fuck's sake.
1: People
4: hate Jar Jar Binks. They hate him now. People are going to be looking at these films in 50 years and 100 years. They're going to hate him too. In- there
2: are many things <laughs> I love about France and the French. But their attitude towards <laughs> films is not one of them. <laughs> Vertical. Anyone who's sensible who's watched Vertigo thinks it's pish. <laughs> not the French. No, no, no. <laughs> the greatest. Oh, no. It is the greatest film ever. <laughs> Zutalor. Anyway, so there you go. I love it. It was great.
3: Now, Craig, there's, it strikes me there's lots of films about Star Wars. So what is the line yeah. that this film is taking through the canon that makes it different from all the other ones?
2: It is particularly, I mean, it's not like a making of, it's not like a, you know, And now let's look back at the wonderful story that mm-hmm. has changed our lives. It is very much about, it's a fan, you're on the floor, you're in the queue, waiting from 1977 onwards to go and see a Star Wars film. It is absolutely mm-hmm. from the level of the grunts uh, and the cunts. Mm. And it's um, <laughs> it's just terrific for that. I, I think it's really impressive.
3: And it, it's called the People versus George Lucas. So is is it adversarial? Is it fans versus him, or or well, it talks or not about really? that? And
2: it shows you <laughs> when they all went ballistic in nineteen ninety nine. Mm. And it's very funny. You know, it builds up quite nicely. It's quite well edited to everyone going about how excited they were, and people saying, "I don't mm-hmm. care." If- what happy people being interviewed say what it's like. It will be great. I will be there. It will be great. And then they sort of like slow it down and say. And then we sat and watched the film. And a guy saying. On, and know. then and then the <laughs> opening crawl began. And I thought, what the fuck is this? <laughs> you know? And and so it, it absolutely takes you from the moment at which the Phantom Menace came out. And, and I saw it at a press screening with a, a friend of ours, Chris. Um, mm and um, oh, yes, that's uh, right, on, yeah. she, she took me along to see it on the Sunday before it came out, or two weeks before it came out because I was, I, I, I'd was—I been spurned in love and I was feeling terribly down at the time and, that and was we a went good to move. see it on a Sunday morning ah yeah, we went to see it on a Sunday morning at the Odeon in Glasgow wow. I'd just moved to Glasgow, literally the weekend I moved there and she said I'll take it on to this it started, <laughs> she's, 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 a, she's a brilliant <laughs> witty woman and it began and the crawl came up and she said, you know who she is from The Voice, she said yeah uh, yeah that's not even in fucking English.
4: Oh <laughs> I was just i just thinking that is the that is the confluence of the worst and best circumstances to see the phantom A relationship yeah. breaking down on a Sunday morning in Glasgow. Yeah, it's fantastic. <laughs> yeah. Brilliant. On your own.
2: Oh dear. Aye, yeah. But um it is a shit film. There are certain mm. things that people keep trying to go back and, and telling us. Well, they're not as bad as you think. That's one of them. The other thing is, they, they, I noticed recently there's been a lot of this on the Twitters and whatnot. People say, oh, come on, you know, Tin Machine was quite good. No, it fucking wasn't. <laughs> no, it was Tin Machine was a fucking <laughs> embarrassment. I remember watching them coming on. I was like 18 going, what the fuck is that? There's stuff like, you know, I'm getting back to being a, you know, a hard-rocking band. You were never a fucking hard-rocking band. This is Although- a lot <laughs> Although along, although you could
4: apply with uh, like Jar Banks, Binks, the French were loving that alien.
2: <laughs> <laughs> oh, hey, that's the most obscure Bowie joke ever. It's 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 like poetry; it rhymes.
4: now yeah, all a portrait rhymes. Yeah.
3: So there was just one other thing I wanted to ask you about. This is that it yeah. strikes me that when the when the Phantom Menace came out, that was the point where Star Wars fandom decided that Star Wars no longer belonged to George Lucas and that they knew Mm, better. Would you agree with that? Is that what what this film says a bit?
2: Yeah, yeah, there's a lot of that in it. Yeah, absolutely, that it had ceased to belong to him at this stage. Um, Mm -hmm. And that's had interesting consequences. I mean, arguably, at at least half, of, probably about three quarters of us, Jack, you always retain a sort of lofty difference indifference, but certainly the other three of us loved The Force Awakens, we loved Rogue One, it was all going well. Mm -hmm. I really Uh like The Last Jedi. I like Solo. But I have
0: to say, yeah. the last
2: Star Wars film really scunned me. You know, yeah. you know. Yeah, it stinks think, on nice I think
0: that last that last one is, is very close to the Phantom Menace and and its terribleness. Yeah. And we went to see the Phantom Menace again, Craig, and it was you it and was I did just a, that's right. It, it was just as shit when they re released it. Yeah. yeah,
2: but that was interesting also because it was when they came up for the idea of re releasing them all in three D.
0: No, so they didn't. Oh. They stopped so, after that one, didn't
2: they? Yeah, now that must be about. Ten years ago, nearly. Well, maybe seven or eight years ago, because you, your boy was about ten, yeah, and my son was about eight or something, seven or eight at the time. And we took him to see it on a Saturday, and we came out, and none of us enjoyed it. And yeah, it's quite interesting. It's I think kids see kids see through it. You know, people say, oh, it's for the kids, it's for the kids. Kids know when something stinks. You know? Yeah, no, I mean, I'll, some of them are I'll, I'll cut
4: in there and say, my, uh, my, my niece, Terry slash Dudley, uh, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. loves Star Wars now bear in mind she's 3 <laughs> now 4 Yeah, <laughs> uh, obsessed with Star Wars loves it all and uh, couldn't bear the prequels <laughs> <laughs> yeah, doesn't
2: it? I think it's because they're actually ugly films well
0: they're, they're also too complicated nice to look
2: at.
4: they're far yeah. too complicated for, for for tiny minds and that includes mm. most of Star Wars fans You know, the Mm -hmm. new
0: series, uh, The Mandalorian, Um, well, on on, uh, Disney Plus, which I I got uh, to see me through the COVID crisis. Um, i got got a bunch of documentaries. (laughs) Yes, of course. It's got a giant cinema screen in the back. (laughs) (laughs) Um, (laughs) uh, You
2: see what you're trying to say? I got it to see me through the COVID crisis. Tell the people how many times you've been to Disney World. (laughs) <laughs> uh, 12, or 13, 12 or 13 times maybe
0: <laughs> <laughs> now with Addie Starwood I've always asked yeah, no, you let you yeah. out I really but, am but I've, mm. been, I've been watching the series of documentaries about how they made the, the Mandalorian and it's kind of round table with actors and technical guys yeah. and things like that and it keeps cutting between them On they're, they're really nice to watch but the guy is it Dave Filoni the guy that he was the animator yeah. that then directed True, and he yeah. goes on about how much how great the, the Phantom Menace is and he talks about oh it was practical effect <sighs> You know, apart from the green screen shite, of course. Like, like a, mm. a lot of models and things like this. Yeah. <laughs> you, you, are, you are a deluded fool, man. They pay, are, they, pay, they, pay wages, they pay his wages. They pay his wages.
4: So if you don't mind, Jack, there's a couple of couple of points I'd like to jump in with. Is that all right? Go for it, my yes, friend. Yes, uh, go for it, big boy. So there's one thing I want... Because I, I think I've I've seen a bit of this in the past. Is uh, uh, This is a sort of bearing on the... Uh, the, the point you make, Craig, about the legal uh, aspect and the challenges, is there, is, yeah. the, is this documentary the one that that sort of does gives a little bit of an outline on the American court case where they decided that Star Wars had shifted into a sort of public domain in terms of, like, popular no. culture and references and things? Because there was a big court case in America about that where, uh, obviously, oh, right. the, the intellectual rights still remain with uh, well yeah. now with Disney previously with Lucasfilm and when it was on its own, but th- there's a bit of a grey area now because um, uh, it was it was decided that because things like you know there's there's bits of the sets and th- shit in the Smithsonian and all that sort of thing. All oh, right, no, yeah. it's like it, it's like Frank L. Baum's work. It's moved into a sort of uh, into a public uh, arena. Yeah. Uh, oh, I, I just wondered if yeah. this was the one that. That, that it, that that, it didn't, to that. my
2: memory, I watched right. that a couple of weeks ago now, but it doesn't, to my memory, mention that. One thing I will say about it is that, as is always the case with these, whenever I see any of these things that show you George Lucas's life, the guy's got his life sorted out, you know, mm. he's got a nice big house, I've been, I've been in Marin County, it's a beautiful part of the world, it's just north mm. of San Francisco, and in fact, th- th- there's a town called uh, Mill Valley where a friend of mine lived in, this is like 17 or so years ago, and it's just an extraordinary, beautiful town. Kind of cool northern California climate that's really nice. Lovely big trees. It's got a beautiful set of uh, uh, shops around the town and a lovely old cinema that, to be fair, Lucas paid for it to be renovated and state-of-the-art and all that. You know, there are many things about him that are very admirable. And you look at the guy and say, you have got your life sorted, your house looks great, all that shit. But he does come up with some fucking rank ideas. Oh, really yeah. Yeah.
4: But there's there's a, there's an I think the, the backdrop to all of the the, the jerseys, and I think why this is particularly interesting is is that main thrust. You were saying about the narrative sort of uh, arc of it, which is this idea that uh, you know you alluded to it, Craig, with you know the, oh it, it, r- it raped my childhood. Look what they did to Star yeah. Wars. It's the end of the and all that sort of thing. I always like to remind people that. So when I when I became a, a student, uh, 91 ninety one ninety two. And uh, I thought, oh, I'll go and buy a copy of Star Wars. You know, like my well, VHS, as it was then. I'll go and buy a copy. You couldn't buy a copy of Star Wars in 1991. Nobody gave a shit about Star Wars. Yeah, I had to get yeah. Tower Records to order me a copy. It was yeah. actually, and for all of the derision that's levelled at the uh, at the at the prequels, rightly because they are crap. Uh, mm-hmm. but what it did was it was the prequels that cemented Star Wars into the popular consciousness because they re-released the original trilogy. The special and editions, that's right. The the special yeah. editions. Yeah.
2: And none of that would have happened without the prequels. That's my yeah, contention. That's true. It's the same thing. I always say this about ABBA. People going about how you know ABBA are the biggest, yeah. greatest band ever. After they split mm-hmm. up for about eight years. It was Erasure that brought back with the Abba esque EP. That suddenly Absolutely. made them acceptable again because it tapped into the camp and the nostalgia. Mm-hmm. And they have fucking raked. They really ought to give Andy Bell and Vince Clark a, uh, a wee bit of a, you know, a wee bung off the end Are of the from <laughs> uh,
4: <laughs>
2: controversial proposition
4: uh, that I'll chuck in here. Uh, well, why not? The, the, the third of. Stop uh, racist, uh, the no, no. I, well, it depends how much you like aliens, <laughs> fictional aliens. Uh, I actually struggle sometimes to remember the names of all the prequels: uh, Phantom Menace, mm-hmm. Attack of the Clones, yep. and Revenge of the Sith. Yep. Right, that's yeah. right. Yeah. Uh, Revenge yeah. of the Sith. Revenge of the Sith is is terrible, but it's better than Rise of Skywalker.
2: <laughs> yeah, yeah. The, the main problem was the. Um... Though that is Attack of the Clones and Revenge, I cannot. Apart from the bit with the no, I mm. can't remember what happens in which film. Yeah, they do. You know, I couldn't see it oh, oh. that's, that's from that film. Yeah, but The Rise of Skywalker is just a mess. and I remember coming out of it and it sort of say, "Oh, I you know." I liked the last half of it, but actually, as you sat down afterwards and thought about it, you thought that was actually fucking awful.
0: No, nah, it's a
4: shambles mm.
2: film. I saw a Attack of the
4: Clones and Revenge of the Sith with you, Jack. And, you did, uh, yes. Uh, and yeah. the missus they uh, remember we went to yes. see, went yeah. to see each of them. And I, the only thing that I remember from going to see Revenge of the Sith is that the bit mm. with the no,
3: no, was was, yeah.
4: was Rose almost pissing herself laughing. <laughs> it's,
3: well, it's because it, it's it's a moment in, from The Simpsons, isn't it? A yes, in it's the, yeah. it's
4: the Seymour Skinner. That's, that's the problem.
3: It? Yeah, Seymour <laughs> Skinner. Yeah, yes. Yes. When he's yeah. Anyway, Craig,
4: Vietnam,
3: isn't it? Yeah. Yes, it is. Anyway, Craig. So that yeah. was the People versus George Lucas. Mm-hmm. Um, and your other choices were The Name of the Rose, which is uh, yep. out available on DVD. The Joy of Painting with Bob Ross, which is on YouTube. It's on BBC Four. I think there's another channel showing it somewhere as well. Um, uh-huh. Then uh, there was Darren McLean and his musical stylings on Twitter, yeah, yeah, yeah. and Under the Shadows. On Netflix the So Craig Oh Under the Shadow on Netflix yeah. Okay. So Craig It uh, behooves you now to speak to the last Member of our fraternity Twix Hello. their choices Sir Christopher Diamond Sir
2: Hi, boy. Your audience awaits We are agog, uh, tell us And
4: my five choices For Dream Game Films Lockdown Miscellany Number 4 are is your life Daniel Arou, which is on YouTube <laughs> uh, Miss Pym's Day Out which is also on YouTube it's not a great uh, copy I think it's a VHS transfer but it's uh, it's worth it because it's so lovely uh, it's the, the telling of Barbara Pym, uh, played by uh, Patricia Routledge a sort oh, of quasi yes. uh, fictional dramatisation of her trip to uh, either win or not win the Booker Prize The Runaway Bus on YouTube, which is a remastered version of the uh, Margaret Rutherford, Frankie Howard, uh, Val Guest comedy drama, Black and White Loveliness. The Making of the Thing on YouTube. Oh, yeah. uh, That answers your question about whether anything has prompted me to watch anything, because our chat (laughs) about making of documentaries (laughs) had me go away and watch The Making of the Thing and many more. Uh, and the last thing, the, my last choice is a uh, three parter actually. It is The Abbey on YouTube, which was a Channel 4 series with Alan Bennett uh, doing a walking tour around Westminster Abbey, uh, as I say, in three parts, which oh, is God, informational
2: really. and lovely. Well, you're tickling a lot of my chickens there. As you know, I absolutely adore Alan Bennett, and the thing is right at the very top of my eye. I'm a carpenter obsessive but I also I know that I will want to hear you talking about Danny Boy. let's hear about him <laughs> I want to hear about Danny Leroux. well there's a few things about this uh, about this edition
4: of this is your life that uh, that I think are particularly good first of all is just the fact that it's a really good this is your life and it's hard to remember now uh, how big this is your life was when it was in mm. his pomp. <laughs>
3: This is your life, and this is Evan Andrews out of sight here at London's Prince of Wales Theatre. Now, just keep your eye on the stage and see what's suddenly going to happen. Lionel Jeffries, alias Cornelius Vanderbilt, knows all about it. Watch him.
4: This is your life went off, I think, towards the end, but when the set changed, and it went all sort of blue and soft toned, and we started getting people like Kevin Lloyd. This is your life, uh, mm. but this is this is still uh, this is still in its in its imperial phase. The second great thing about it is that it has one of the best surprise intros to it. Now, those of us who re- are old enough to remember This Is Your Life uh, and the, uh, will remember that one of the best things about it was the hijacking at the start when the yeah. star was approached, and Eamon Andrews was particularly good at it. Uh, and this one, it's when Daniel LaRue is starring in Hello, Dolly! Uh, and Lionel oh Jeffries yes. is, uh, is on the stage and they finish the performance and Eamon comes in behind a big giant bouquet of flowers and they do it on the stage in front of the audience. It's, it's a great moment. That, yeah.
0: <laughs> I haven't gone to
2: start raving mad, Dan, but you don't know this, but tonight is a very special night because it's our 100th performance this evening and in special, special tribute to you personally is a very special... Bokeh of
4: flowers. But it's also quite poignant when you, when you think about it. And Danny does make a reference to cost, how much the flowers cost. And hard, he says at one point, hard times, darling, hard times because this is in the period when he'd been made bankrupt and uh, he had lost everything, which I'll come to uh, in a wee bit. And he was making this uh, uh, appearance on stage in uh, in quite desperate circumstances. Not only that, but the the the, perform- the, the, the staging of Hallow Dolly, although it's the 100th performance of it, which is twice a night, it's not that big a deal, was an absolute critical and commercial disaster. No. So <laughs> it really wasn't the best of times for Daniel LaRue. Uh and I think you can see that reflected in him during the program uh, because he's genuinely moved a lot of the time all the way through it and you get the feeling that he's been reminded of the good times all the way through it which just makes it especially poignant if uh, if you know a little of the background.
3: Well, Danny, I can't imagine what you thought when you saw that bouquet of flowers
1: walking towards you on the stage tonight.
4: How much it cost. <laughs> <laughs> <Hard time. laughs> of course, the people that come on during the 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 program are phenomenal. Uh, it starts off with uh, all of his sidekicks and the and the order of water rats come on at the start. And it's just an amazing yes. uh who's who of Sort of slightly second string stars yeah. uh, mixed up. So there's some some bigger stars in there like Roy Hudd and and people like that. Uh, but you know people like Davy Kay and the Cad are there, and Ben Wallace is there. You know all these sort of people that uh, the audience would have recognised. But they are like, oh, like, Roger is there,
3: Chris.
4: Them. Roger Course is there. Michael Robbins is there. But not,
3: yeah, but not, but not Darcy DeFarcy not- not <laughs> Derek Beatty. Harold
1: Barrens. David Burglas. Carmen Dakuskey. Tusky oh. oh my, God. Oh my God. Roger DeCorsey. Billy Dainty. Jack Douglas. George Elric Arthur English Alan Freeman Vince Hill Roy Hubb Jimmy Logan <laughs> Davy Kay <laughs> Pete Murray <laughs> Bill Pertree Michael Robbins Hardy Robinson Ryan Morris,
3: Bert Weeden, and Bernie Winters.
4: So all these people appear on at the start, and then there's a. One of the one of the things that used to be a great drag on this is your life. There was two things that would be a big problem. One was when you tuned in expecting it to be fantastic and it was an ordinary person, which was nothing mm. more disappointing than your week. Mm. There was mm. some fucking lifeboat captain. And You're like, well, you give us a shit, frankly. Yeah, he's great. Yeah, fine. <laughs> the other the other thing would be if it was a famous person and there were far too many family and friends yeah uh, so it would be like, Oh, remember the people you went to school with the people you used to work the shop factory with no. yeah like yeah fucking hell we're yeah, fine uh and not enough stars now this particular edition of uh, this is your life and this reflects how big a star Dan Leroux was because obviously he's receded from view now uh is 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 his sort of legacy hasn't survived his uh, is passing terribly well. He was an immense star. Uh, and and it's so it's an hour long. It's a special one, one of the few ones that weren't just half an hour. It was an hour long. And it's in a theatre. Uh, and occasionally, you know, they would they would book it in a theatre. But it's great to see uh, all of the people you, you get. It's, and what's great about this one particularly is Danny LaRue is so outrageous and he's so camp and he's so obviously gay and nobody talks about it. Mm-hmm. But his family are there and they're just an ordinary... Which is what they were. He's just an ordinary working class family from Ireland, uh, sitting alongside him. They are, you know, there's never any sense that anybody's remotely embarrassed or yeah. bothered about, you know, what Danny's done or what his life has been. And you might be cynical and say, "Oh yeah, but he's probably given them lots of money and looked after them." But yeah, I'm not sure that would force them out onto a stage uh, to sit alongside everybody else. He genuinely loves everybody who comes on. He genuinely loves his family and his relatives. There's an old dear who, when he was evacuated, he used to, uh, or when he was very young, he used to go and speak to a neighbour who's an old woman who amazingly is still alive and is in her 90s. And it's just lovely. Uh, it, it's it's a lovely tribute to, to a really great star who, you know... it, it now, I think Daniel Rujak, uh, you might agree with me on this, given your personal experience of the other person. This, I think Daniel is probably next to Small Daniels. Is the is the next biggest exponent of stories where I win in the end? <laughs> yes, <I think. laughs> uh, yes. So he has yes. absolutely no qualms about telling you about the stories where you know, and then I and then I did this, and there's an amazing put down and mm-hmm. whatever the sort of thing. But unlike Paul Daniels, <laughs> it's a bit grating after a while, and actually, a lot of the time, you don't believe it. Uh, you never actually, you never actually feel that uh, Daniel is recounting his put downs to people trying to bully him in the clubs and things like that. You never feel that they're nasty or or, or that it's uh, unwarranted because it can't have been that easy <laughs> to be to do his act in an unreconstructed Britain. In a nightclub, even no matter if it was in the West End of London, and uh, he, you're reminded in one particular story when people, uh, when somebody tries to make a grab for Barbara Windsor, who was in the story, and he jumps down, and because he's a, he was a big lad, Danny, you know, <laughs> and he was, a, he was an Irish working class lad, and he, of course yeah. he does the thing where he points, he points at himself and says, don't look the, don't let the costume fool fill fool you and then thumps the (laughs) guy. One other little thing that's worth, uh, before we pass on, that's worth looking out for, just as a little hint. As I say, Barbara Windsor is there because she was in one of his shows. Now look along the front row, and you see her sitting there. Now look for Anita Harris coming on later on. They have a bit of a chat. And then there's a cutaway to to when she walks. You know everybody. Uh, Thank you, Anita Harris. Now look at the quick cutaway. Look at the the sheer loathing on the face of Barbara Windsor. There is something going on there that you never hear about. They mentioned that they were in the same show, but Barbara Windsor, she's sitting next to Larry Grayson. She fucking hates Anita Harris. And that's a story I fear
2: that will never be told. The only thing I have to say is on oh, Mother Kelly's doorstep, door down, down, door door down Paradise
1: Road, road. i sit along <laughs>
4: And at the start of it, uh, Frankie Vaughn sings that. Uh, with, and of course, everybody in the theatre sings it because that was at a time when everyone just sang the same songs. Park.
1: A hole in a shoe, a hole in a stocking where her toe fits through. But and Mary
2: was, was the smartest daughter on Mother Kelly's doorstep. It's just like your point about in the uh, there's a there's a mill by the stream. Yes. <laughs> Nelly D. Nelly D. Uh, you
1: The how you being uh,
2: I I was trying to remember why this was so familiar, but I think we've actually watched it together in the last five or six yeah. years. One night, uh, yeah. it is glorious. He he was. I mean, the only one I think that probably, and uh, I'm you know, I might be I might be wrong, but the only person I think who probably matches him in terms of sheer stardom across that period, and for star power was Stanley Baxter. Really, they they kind hmm. of operated in somewhat hmm. the same uh, era yeah. and the same yeah, sort of area. Mm-hmm. <coughs> Were they friends at all, do you know? Not that I'm aware of. I, no. I mean, Baxter's
4: a very private person, so he's the sort of person yeah. I imagine that would, would, would never agree to appear on something like This Is yeah. Your Life, e- even as a guest. Uh, yeah. It's difficult to... Now, Daniel LaRue did a lot of work. He didn't do a lot of television work, uh, Daniel LaRue. But he would turn that up in variety shows and things, wouldn't he? Yes. Yeah. So he'd appear on Live at Her Majesty's, for example. And there's a—I I, remember—live uh, at Her Majesty's when it was—it was presented then by uh, Jimmy Tarbuck. When Jimmy When Hello yeah. Dolly was on, and they, they play a clip of the, the Hello Dolly number. Uh, uh, you know, this is it on that live at Her Majesty's, and I remember watching. It. So he'd yeah. appear on that. Uh, he would. They would sometimes show him uh, doing his stage show, you know, they would record his show and, and put it on at Christmas or something but he did the odd television special for LWT, by comes by With me, me is me. the big one, which is also available Yes, yes. Yeah. yeah There's more to me that meets
2: the eye, I guess that's
4: me all over, that's why I throw my chest out here and now,
1: and holla, hey there world
4: Well, that was the same time that Baxter was the big star at LWT. So maybe there's yeah. maybe there was a bit of a uh, maybe there was a bit of a bumping into each other at that stage. But I, I yeah. don't I don't think so. They're, they're not. I mean, Baxter's not really never really crops up in other people's legends no. uh, Very Apart much with the exception of Karen Williams.
2: Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I do remember my parents always saying this about um, Daniel LaRue and, and, and I think I've seen it on telly. He did have a, before the crash and the loss of all his money, he lived the high life. He had a beautiful Rolls Royce. He had a sort of Thames Side apartment, didn't he? That was, was it in Chelsea Harbour or somewhere that was quite something? Well, he also had, he,
4: he'd had a big, uh, he had a beautiful sort of uh, Thames Side house, you know, down yeah. the river. It's sort of, uh, it you was, know, yeah. headly on Thames or somewhere. Yeah, and, that's it. That's, that's know, what uh, I was thinking uh, of, yeah. He, 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 and it was gorgeous. And, uh, what what is very apparent though is he was very generous. So he's yeah. and, and there actually is a reference. What if his family make a, a, not a snide reference, but they do make a reference to him being possibly a bit too generous. Uh, because uh-huh. obviously, you know, by this time we'd lost all his money or it, or it actually had, had all of his money stolen off him. Uh and I, I have to correct one thing. I'm a bit unfair saying that he he was made he was bankrupt. Technically he wasn't bankrupt. He could have gone bankrupt and and saved himself a lot of trouble. What he did was he chose to pay all of his creditors and right, therefore yeah. get left with nothing and then worked to pay all of his creditors because he felt that was unfair. He could have made himself bankrupt and saved himself a lot of grief. So although he lived a high life uh, and would have, you know, as they all recount, you know, champagne and chips in the, in the back <laughs> of the Rolls Royce and all that sort of thing, he... Uh, he 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 didn't he didn't shirk from spreading the bread around, and and, and clearly his family uh, benefited benefited from it, which is perfectly perfectly proper. The the back very briefly the backstory story to it all is he had the lovely house in on it, like, wherever it was, but uh, he was always wanting to move on and move up. And if there's anything that the sto- the, the story of Daniel is that he couldn't sit still, there was always more yeah. shows to be doing, more. To it. So he got into this business where he bought this huge country house and was turning it into a hotel. And then a couple of Canadian businessmen came along and basically conned him, stole all of his money, left him with nothing but a big pile of debt. And uh, and all of the work and everything he'd done over the years had, uh, had been stolen away from him. So when he's on stage and people are coming on and saying how much they love him and all that sort of thing, uh, it 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 just strikes home a bit more, and you can see the effect that has on him The best interjection that has to be said is by Liberace, uh, yeah. <laughs> and they go over live to Liberace. It's not live; we go over to it, Liberace, I mean. and yeah, and it is. It's he plays the piano, uh, obviously, and he's in this outrageous outfit. And and what's great about it, and what Daniel cannot help laughing his head off at, is. He twice manages to plug his restaurant in Las Vegas. <laughs> 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 uh, and the most outrageous self-publicity. But Danny, do me a favour. Take some time off real soon so we can have dinner together for old time's sake here at my
3: restaurant in Las Vegas. <laughs> so Danny, enjoy this night. You deserve it.
4: Thank you, Liberace <laughs> Denville. Mean, I couldn't help Super. thinking when I was watching it, if he had been a bit more... If he'd have been a bit more acumen about him like
2: Liberace did, he probably would have been in a better shape at the time. Yeah. Do you, one last question before I open it up to guys. Do you think you could have a show like This Is Your Life Now? Because it strikes me that it completely depended upon not just, as you said, there was the boring episodes, but not just the national recognition of the people in it, but also the fact that from probably the 20s until the 70s, because in whichever part you worked in, whether it was songwriting or rep and acting or this, the, the the you know the West End stage or the music halls or post-war cinema, all that stuff, all of you, you essentially, Showbiz worked as a series of large rep companies where they'd yeah. all worked with each other. And of course, the war was part of that. That's all gone now, isn't it? So it strikes me you probably couldn't have that anymore.
4: I think there's a few considerations that probably wouldn't work now. One is that very many famous people now, or people that are considered to be famous, are too young to have yeah. a meaningful "this is your life" beyond yes. family, friends, and and their contemporaries, and I, I I don't see how that would have the same mass appeal. The other thing is is probably okay. It's maybe receded from from view now a little bit. Is the sort of U tree factor, where I think there would be a nervousness about dragging on people uh, who you're not necessarily <laughs> sure that you want to be lauding them uh, for one reason or another. And maybe even even people who are older now, there are sections of the past, nothing to do with them,
0: that might have
4: to be closed off. Yeah. Yeah. So that's another consideration. Sorry, Martin, you were going to say something...
0: I, I, well, no, I was just going to just as you're talking about why it maybe wouldn't work, social media would probably kill it as well. In fact, this maybe takes us back to what we were talking about earlier about was uh, uh, Joan Collins. It's either Joan Collins or Elizabeth Taylor. Did one of them not find out about the, this is your life in advance and basically organise the whole fucking thing and decided oh, who was going to be on hell. it and who wasn't? Yeah. Um. Yeah. Some something, yeah. something along those lines. I seem to remember. about this is your life. And well, of course, then, Aspel ended up doing all the disguises and all this kind of thing. That was just a uh, but.
4: The thing is, I mean, I don't know if that's true, Martin, because if you're if you're if you're dragooning people to take part in it and they agree to keep it secret, well, you know, they can keep it secret on social media with from each other as well as anything else. Surely. Uh, I don't know. I mean, if somebody from the production company is going to leak it, they either leak it to the papers or they leak it to Facebook. Uh, I don't Mm -hmm. think it would be impossible. but I mean, you may be right, but I think of all the considerations, I think they're just... The major one is, I'm not sure, as Craig says, I'm not sure there is the breadth of personalities that a mass audience would buy into wanting to know about. Uh, There probably still are some.
3: Sorry, Chris, in 2001, when it was coming near to the end of its run... It featured uh, Sean Williams, who plays Barry in EastEnders, and yep. they also did a this <laughs> live episode Jeez. for David Dickinson. Jesus Christ. Yeah, well, yeah, they were scraping the bottle I mean, Yeah,
4: You're literally with David Dickinson at the faggy end of things then. So, I mean,
3: yeah.
4: you know, I, I, <laughs> I just don't think that if you're going to put something on the telly at, in prime time, that's that has to attract, okay, I mean, nowadays in primetime, it only has to attract, say, five or six million people but for it to have any sort of longevity that I'd suggest that it might work if you did the odd special, you know, like on a bank holiday or at Christmas.
3: Hmm. Maybe
4: Mm -hmm. that would work if you got somebody, you know, somebody who hasn't done it before, but I think it's just one of those things where it's time has passed. There are other Hmm. editions that are available on YouTube that are worth watching. Yeah, I was going to ask about Uh, that, yeah. Yeah, there's some good ones. there's some shady ones uh, that probably should be avoided, but things like uh, there's one for uh, Betty Driver, uh, who was betting oh, up in Coronation yep, Street, okay. which is very good. And, uh, you know, and, and actually has something in it that I, I just I generally didn't know about her, which is that uh, she was Jack Watson, the actor Jack Watson, who everybody, you might not remember his name, but everybody knows. He was yeah. in, for example, he was in Edge of Darkness. Uh, yep, yeah, absolutely. absolutely. League, or James
2: yeah, Lynn,
4: Jack Watson. Yeah, lots of things. He was her lodger for a while when he was when they were quite young. And they were clearly sweethearts. And she mentions how she missed her chance. And that there's a nice little free song there. But in, in common with the way this is your... And this is something that I think, Martin, your point would probably... The social media point actually comes into play. The Betty Driver one completely ignores her awful, dreadful cunt husband, the mm. dreadful time she had at the hands of her mother, and her uh, and when she was basically left derelict in South uh, mm. South Africa. Now, clearly, there's a decision there. We're just going to highlight certain aspects of her life that we can put a positive spin on and we'll just mention offhand, you know, this happened or that happened. Obviously, with social media, you can't do that. Everybody's going to, You can sit and Google it when you're watching it and going, oh, I wonder why they're not mentioning their husband. Yeah. So maybe that's the social media aspect.
2: Yeah, absolutely. That would, uh,
4: that would kick into it. But I still recommend it. It's great. It's really feel good. All right, Vince Hill's on it, but you can fast-forward through that bit.
1: <laughs> uh,
4: <laughs> uh, and otherwise uh, you know just wallow in the reflected glory of a genuinely
2: a uh, great entertainer and uh, a lovely man lovely, right my well, lads, I think we should wrap it up because basically I need to go mm. for a pee because we've been recording this for about three hours now <laughs> yeah. um, Chris just to run over your put choices and you have a YouTube full house mm. this is your life Daniel Larue. Miss Pim's Day Out which could have starred Danny Larue. The Runaway Stake. Bus, which sounds like a Danny Larue film. <laughs> the making of the thing. I'll leave it there. And the <laughs> Abby with Alan. Um, the
4: unmaking of the thing.
2: <laughs> um we never got time to talk about our Miss Freds. Maybe we could make that in a few in a in a in a, uh, in a, a future future podcast. Fantastic. Thank you, Chris. Handing back to you to wrap up.
4: Yeah, so there we are. That's uh, we finally got there, and just uh, just I, I'm going to draw back the curtain just a wee bit further for everybody. Say this has been a nightmare of technical difficulties mm-hmm. that we have persisted <laughs> Chris, with. We have persisted with on your behalf, listeners. We love you. We have. We love you. But Chris, we
3: have. We still have one other piece of business rim? here. They have.
4: Go on. Okay. Let's, let's have our, we, let's we, have our suggestions from the wide
3: public. Okay okay i'm going to try and go through these quickly because there's quite a lot which is which is lovely so first of all right um front. our very good friend graham has um sent in a recommendation which is the title music from the kids uh from degrassi um but oh, with yeah. other images but without other images cut to it so that's well worth a watch it's about 20 seconds yep. of your time and it's fantastic um nice. our uh Esteemed pal George White has uh, come in with a few recommendations. So let me just very quickly go through these. Uh, he, uh, Goliath Awaits is one of them. This is on YouTube. He says, it's Christopher Lee as Lord Summerarm, meets Captain Nemo on a sunken ocean liner that's become a brexity fascist dystopia run by World War II era Brits and <laughs> Irish Frank Gorshin. Fanca- uh, and he says, there's a fantastic cast with Mark Harmon, John Carradine, Gene Marsh, and Eddie Albert. He also recommends The Loch Ness Horror. So I think this is picking up on our previous podcast where we were talking about some of the films that we thought that oh, Flashpoint and Sam Jones might have been yeah. in, might have been mm-hmm. in, but perhaps wasn't. So The Loch Ness Horror that is a 1981 picture by ex-AIP associate Larry Buchanan, who was a kind of poor man's, Texan Larry Cohen, says George White. Set in Scotland, shot in Lake Tahoe. It's ludicrous, but you can't help admire its ambition. Not one authentic British accent, he says. Um, And then Ward Rather uh, has also contacted us. He says that the 1981 Southern TV soap opera Together is being repeated daily Mm. at 2pm on Talking Pics TV and also on YouTube. Um, And he says that you can also view archive episodes of Proto, tim and Derek, focus north and other surreal clips a few more here a bit niche in terms of technical accessibility um pete prodge of tv cream fame um has been doing a, a Tiswas um type program on twitch on saturday mornings. So i've no idea what that is but you can find it at tiswasonline.com slash twitch and then mm-hmm. the final recommendations come from darth Flan Flinger, who has says of our podcast, love, love, love this as ever, guys. I hope there is another to come. If you're looking for some recommendations, may I suggest Quentin uh, uh, Smirth, I don't know quite know how to pronounce surname, um surname, Smirthes, YouTube channel. He's a surreal comedy character. who's the centre of very funny riffs on 1970s kids TV to easy listening music. Actually, I've seen some of his stuff and it is quite extraordinary. He does a pastiche of Picture Box, which is no Perfect. And then the final one is Something Wicked, as, uh, which comes uh, Sandra Bernhardt's cult film show from the States, uh, which includes every channel and is a good 90s companion piece to the incredibly strange film show. You can find that on the Something Weird YouTube channel. Phew!
2: There we go. Well done, That's Jack. To all I really need to go for this pee now.
4: Right, well, okay, then. You're, so what we'll do is we'll just sign off and we'll say it's goodbye from Craig. Goodbye. It's goodbye from Jack.
3: Goodbye, and I love you.
4: It's goodbye from Martin. Goodbye. <laughs> <laughs> and it's and it's a goodbye from me, Chris. And we'll be back at some point in the future, in a way that works. In the meantime, stay well, stay safe, and stay at home. Bye-bye. Bye bye. Bye bye. 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 We're working all day for a of
2: May, <laughs> and Saturday night. And you guess the names? Don't ask their names. That's living alright. Then you play the game, then it's always the same, and that's living alright.